As a medical professional, you're probably consumed by your work. Because of that, you likely miss out on big opportunities to protect and grow the wealth you work so hard for. Luckily, through passive real estate investing, you can place your capital in the hands of trusted syndicators who do all the legwork while you sit back and let your money work for you. Syndicators like Ascent Equity Group. Ascent Equity Group is led by three medical professionals turned full-time real estate investors who have secured a quarter of a billion dollars in assets in just three years. And their latest opportunity, Sunrise and Chandler, is open now. Sunrise and Chandler is an exciting 177-unit value-add multifamily opportunity in the affluent city of Chandler, Arizona. This Class B asset in a Class A location was secured at a significant discount and is already cash flowing out of the gate, with 89% of the units still in need of renovation. Sunrise and Chandler is close to meeting its capital raising goal and will be closing soon. So if you'd like to learn more, visit ascentequitygroup.com forward slash best deal to schedule a call. That's A-S-C-E-N-T equitygroup.com slash best deal. This opportunity is open to accredited investors only. The advice is in the question you asked me, which that's the case 99% of the time. And I said, you're asking, how do I, how do I do this? How do I do that? How do I raise this? Mm-hmm. That's honestly the best advice I could give you is just replace that word I with adding value. It's that time of year again, tax season. Dun-dun-dun. How are you doing on tax season? How's that treating you so far? Well, if you have a lot of receipts and you're organizing things like your income and expenses and creating reports, and you're also trying to keep up to date with a new tax reform this year, there's a lot of deductions that we can take to maximize return. And there's a lot of strategies that we need to make sure we're aware of. Are you optimizing for the new tax laws? Well, our sponsor, Stessa, teamed up with the top real estate CPAs to offer you the ultimate rental property tax guide. And I've read it. This is the ultimate rental property tax guide. We're talking about they've got everything covered from opportunity zones to entity selection to establishing a home office, travel expenses, what type of travel expenses are deductible, real estate strategies, tax strategies, capital improvements versus repairs. I mean... This is the ultimate rental property tax guide, and you can get it for free by going to stessa.com forward slash best taxes. You have to sign up for an account, but the account is free. So when you sign up for a free Stessa account, you will get this guide. This is worth its weight in gold for sure. Go to stessa.com, S-T-E-S-S-A.com forward slash best taxes. And when you work with Stessa, Stessa is a tool that helps every rental property owner track, manage, and communicate the performance of our real estate investment. So it's going to save a lot of time during tax season, but then also through the rest of the season as we go and grow our rental portfolio and optimize that. So go to stessa.com forward slash best taxes get that ultimate rental property tax guide best ever listeners how you doing welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show i'm joe fairless this is the world's longest running daily real estate investing podcast we only talk about the best advice ever we don't get into any of that fluffy stuff with us today daniel kwok how you doing daniel what's going on joe well i'm looking forward to our conversation and a little bit about daniel he started investing at 20 years old He owns 75 units and has raised over $20 million, and he's currently doing six fix and flips based in Aurora, Illinois. With that being said, Daniel, you want to give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and your current focus? 
Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'm a Gemini, which means basically that's everything you need to know about me. <laughs> but other than that, I am too, by the way. Are you really? When's your birthday? May 25th. Oh, okay, got it, got it. My birthday is June 11th, and my girlfriend and I actually have the exact same birthday. We're just one year apart. So it's pretty coincidental that happened, but <laughs> that's awesome, man. But yeah, long story short, number one thing about me is I'm a follower of Christ. That's the number one thing that I always tell people. And secondly, I am a real estate investor, but I started when I was 20, like you mentioned already, and I'm actually an immigrant to this country. So I actually came over in December 8th of 1999. I was five years old. I was this chunky little Asian kid. If you ever seen the movie Up, that's exactly what I looked like. <laughs> I got the little Boy Scout. And ironically, my dad had the exact same haircut and glasses as the older dude. <laughs> So you look at us and we're like the cast of Up. So it's pretty wild. But obviously for your listeners, immigrant life is not easy. My older brother and I have memories of sleeping in the car some nights because our family couldn't afford to pay the heat bill. And man, it was tough. Most nights we didn't have dinner. And that was probably describing the first about five, six years of us being in this country. So I definitely had that growing up and seeing that growing up of just no matter what, you make it happen. Just that immigrant mentality. And even when I was a kid, sleeping in the backseat of the car, my eyes would be closed. And my parents must have thought that I was sleeping because they would just talk about just the financial hardship that our family was in. And I remember a lot of times I would listen as I was just in the backseat, eyes closed, just pretending to be asleep. My mom would whisper over to my dad, just like, hey, listen, what are we going to do about tomorrow? What are we going to do about this? What are we going to do about that? And the one question that always came up was, was from my mom to my dad. It's like, hey, honey, like, how are we going to retire? What are we going to do? And I made it my goal to do something about that. And I asked God in that moment, I was just like, wow, won't you just provide for us? And that's what exactly what my dad said every single time. He says, it's okay, the Lord will provide. And the first deal my brother and I ever did, and I have an older brother named Sam, and we were in this business together. Like him and I are a phenomenal team. We're a dynamic duo. But the first deal we ever did, I was 22 years old. And we bought a rental portfolio for my parents' retirement account. So it actually served as their retirement, the first deal we ever did. And pastors don't make that much. I think combined, my parents have never made more than $35,000 a year combined, ever. So for us to do that, it was such an emotional oh, I bet. day. And at the end of the day, wasn't that why we're in this game, why we're in this business? Mm -hmm. So that was the first deal, and it ended up helping your parents have retirement income. How old are you now? I'm a young 24 years old right now. 24 years old. You said your first deal was 22 or 20? 20? 20, 22, yeah. So 22. I spent the first two years learning. And I'm sure you get this a lot, and I'm sure you would relate to this as well. But when I first got started in real estate, I was never really hungry to do a deal. I was just focused on learning. I was like, wow, this is a whole new world that I never even knew. And I got to give credit to my older brother. My brother actually is the one who introduced me to entrepreneurship. If he hadn't introduced me to entrepreneurship, I would probably be probably like dress up as the kid from up and make money going to parties. <laughs> and getting paid as like a cosplay actor. <laughs> but yeah, he introduced me to entrepreneurship. And that was my very first deal. It was a portfolio of single family houses in central Illinois. Mm. So that was the first deal. How did you all pay for that deal? Obviously, I was broke. So fast forward to when I'm 20, 
I still remember to this day looking down at my phone. I had negative $187.65 in my bank account. At what age? At 20. Okay. When the number is negative, they actually turn it red. I didn't know this, but (laughs) they turn it red. And I remember calling the bank and obviously I'm obviously not going to say the name of the bank, but I called them and I remember I was in tears. I was like, please, I'm just a poor college kid. You got to help me out. There's got to be something I can do. And then on the other line, I think he either said something along the lines of, oh, I'm sorry, we can't do anything. Or I just heard click. (laughs) I didn't hear anything. So it was on my drive home and it was an hour and a half. And I remember just weeping that entire time. So I had negative $187.65. I had a couple of maxed out credit cards. My credit was in the dumps. And my brother and I actually at one point found ourselves eating out of a dumpster. It was a Dunkin' Donuts. And we were just like, man, we know if we go at exactly 8.15, that's when they throw out donuts that weren't eaten. So I actually learned how to raise capital. And that was kind of referring to my older point of the first two years. I just focused on learning. I fell in love with the process of learning this real estate investing game, which is also another reason why I love being on this podcast right now, because I can't wait to see what I can learn from you, Joe. So I just kind of fell in love with this game and just learning every bits and pieces. And I found out you can do deals with other people's money. And I got really good at providing other people value. And once I started doing that, people wanted to work with me. So that deal raised the money. And how much did you raise? It was owner financing. So I raised only about 10% of the entire deal, which I think came out to about $17,000, $18,000. Okay. So it was one property? No, it was four. It was four single family houses. Okay. Four single family houses. You did owner financing. You raised $17,000 approximately. And that cash flow was the cash flow that helped your parents have some cash for whenever they retire? Yeah, absolutely. I'm actually selling that portfolio right now as we speak because I'm actually having their income come from different apartment complexes I own now, mm-hmm. which now I'm more in love with apartment complexes than I was. But a lot of my units that I own currently are apartments. Okay. And so I've transferred in terms of how they get their money into other portfolios. Sure. So the first deal, you raised $17,000. How many people? It was just one. One person. Yeah, how just then, one how'd person. You, how'd you meet that person? It was actually warm market. So I actually tell people all the time, like, listen, like, you know, it was like, what war market, you know, war market, like people, you know, already. Oh, oh no, I hadn't heard Warren market. I haven't heard. Oh, it. sorry. Warm market. W-A-R-M warm market. Oh, I, I haven't heard that term before. Okay. Yeah. So it's a sales word, I guess you could say it's okay. more sales lingo, but yeah, I always say warm market. So like contact oh. the people that you already know that are your friends and, and whatnot, because it's good training wheels for you to be able to raise capital. So that's who I started with. I just Googled that search, warm market. You taught me something new. Never heard of that. <laughs> That's awesome. But specifically, how did you meet this person? It was actually a friend of my dad's. Okay. So my dad's a pastor and this guy was also a pastor. And my Korean's a little off. So my brother actually was the one who had that conversation with him because his Korean's a little bit better than mine. Well, a lot better than mine. So he ended up talking to that. And then that first deal, honestly, gave us enough credibility for me to go out to a lot of other lenders and and start having conversations. Mm -hmm. So you raised $17,000 on that first deal. This was two years ago, correct? Yeah. And then how many deals have you done since then? I did a 36 unit, 24 unit, and then a four unit, and then an eight unit. So I would say in terms of multifamily, we've done about six deals. And then in terms of fix and flips, we did two. 
we did them in Illinois and I didn't like the Illinois market that much. And I would say probably after doing some apartment complexes, I started learning about interest rates and monetary policy. And I became a really geeky macroeconomical nerd. And I got really into that. So we're actually doing deals now across the country where it actually makes more sense, where it's more economically viable. So I'd say we probably did about total in our career. I'd say we probably did around 19, 20 deals. Wow. So when I was reading your bio, it says you've raised over $10 million. $10 million at 35% down, that's $28 million worth of property. So what deals did you raise the big chunk of that $10 million into? I'd say a lot of our deals that we did was seller financing because the more I got into macroeconomics, I learned that right now is probably not the best thing, especially for the average investor to go to an institution. Obviously, with rising rates and the way monetary policy works and how that affects reserve requirements and whatnot. So I learned if I want to keep myself safe and I want to be able to control the terms and not overpay because I would just meet seller after seller after seller. And I remember I was on a kick for... I think about 18, 19 weeks in a row, I met with four or five different sellers a week, Mm. just negotiating on properties. And even myself in 2018, I had about 1600 deals sent to me, whether it was from virtual assistants, whether it was from me looking at it myself, 1600 deals I looked at and I only made offers on 12. And I actually went after about eight because I was just extremely conservative. So I knew I had to do seller financing. I had to do contract for deed not only to set myself up for a low fixed rate, but at the same time be protected to the point where I can have a second layer of financing if I need it. So some of these deals, I only raised 10%, 15% down. I had one, an eight unit I bought, I bought no money down because I was able to add value to the seller in different ways besides just a down payment. Okay. Yeah. We'll talk about that just for my own clarification. So when you mentioned that you've raised $10 million dollars, you're grouping that raise into owner financing that you're receiving from the owner. Is that correct? So it's not necessarily private investors. It's also owners who are financing the carry. Is that how you're defining it? No, I'm defining it as like the down payment also. So when I do owner financing, obviously they still want me to have some skin in the game. Okay. I've done some owner financing deals where we had to raise a little bit more than the traditional 20. So I grouped that in there as well. Okay. And also, so, obviously, for my fix and flips, too. Okay. So in two years, you've raised $10 million, over $10 million, correct? Yeah. Okay. So where is the chunk of that money? What deal did a chunk of that money go to? I'm just trying to – Yeah. Because when I, when I hear 36 units, 24 units, 4 units, 8 units, I'm thinking, well, that's not $10 million in equity. So where's the $10 million in equity? What deals did that go into? I would say mainly probably my apartment complexes and also in terms of the money raised, probably a lot of our fix and flips because obviously we do everything cash with our fix and flips. We're not financing any of that. So I would say it was probably the two biggest ones was probably be my 36 unit that I bought with using bank money. So like institutional funds and then also fix and flips. Okay. So let's talk about 36 units. We got a bunch of multifamily investors who listen to this show. Yeah. How much did you raise for the 36 unit? Well, the 36 unit, we didn't have to raise that much because our purchase price was like $1.5, $1.6 million. So we only really had to raise about 350. 350,000. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Help me understand. So you've raised $10 million in two years. Yeah. And you said the largest amount of the raise went to the 36 unit and your fix and flips, but the 36 unit was 350,000. 
Yeah. So there's a gap of $9.5 million. So where is the 9.5? I just want to learn. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, deal. absolutely. Where did the $9.5 million go? So- Honestly, my biggest problem right now, Joe, is I have people on a waiting list. I have investors that are ready and I just can't find a deal, to be quite frank. Okay, so the $10 million that you mentioned you raised, it's not money that you've actually put into deals. It's money that's been verbally committed, but you haven't put into deals. Yeah, I would say so. Got it. I was like, wait a second, this math isn't working. Okay, (laughs) I understand now. So you have investor interest of $10 million. And you could bring that into deals when you find the deals. Yeah, that's exactly right. Okay, cool. So let's talk about the 36 unit. You brought $350,000 worth of equity to that deal. You said you did bank financing. How'd you find it? I actually had a partner of mine who also was a property manager and he had an old friend who actually owned it himself. So I got connected with the property manager And then we sat down and we said, hey, listen, we should work together. I have something to offer. You have something to offer. So he ended up having a friend who owns that 36 unit. And quite coincidentally, I think about a couple months later, his friend called him up and said, hey, listen, I want to sell my building. Let's talk. And originally, obviously trying to go for a contract for deed, but his needs and his value that he wanted to be created from us wasn't towards that direction. Mm -hmm. So we ended up just going with bank financing. So that's how we found it. I guess through warm market, right? The new lingo we just learned. <laughs> right. Yeah. You taught, you taught me that. So the 36 units, you're based in Aurora, Illinois. Where is this located? Aurora, Illinois is, I would say, about 40 minutes west of downtown Chicago. Mm-hmm. Okay. So this 36 unit is located where you are located in Aurora? That's in actually a small town called Plano, Illinois. It's actually about 20 minutes further west from where I live. Okay. And what's the business plan for the 36 unit? We're actually doing some value add stuff right now, just because our understanding and our philosophy right now, and especially last year when we did the deal was, listen, the rates are going up. Can't lie about that one. And we often know how rates will affect the value of apartment complexes. So what we did is we decided to actually do some value add and we raised the rents about 300 bucks on half the units right now. And we're looking to raise another 300 on the other half. And so based on my math and just kind of adding that forced appreciation and seeing how that's going to turn out, we actually saw that it was going to raise the value by about 1.1 million. So it's going to kick up that NOI up a little bit more than what I thought actually when I first came into the deal. So I'm really excited to see what that valuation is going to be like. But of course, the offset to that is the fact that I'm actually not taking any cash flow Mm -hmm. from that 36 just for the sake of making sure that value add strategy is more sustainable than others, so to speak. You mentioned something earlier that sounds very impressive, and that's you had four to five meetings with sellers, so owners of properties, a week for about, and it's very specific, 19 weeks in a row. Yeah. Were you, did you have a quantifiable goal that you were looking to achieve, and that's why you're tracking the 19 weeks in a row of meeting a certain number of sellers a week? Yeah, that was about five months, and that was about the summer of 2017 when I had those meetings. And my goal, honestly, I just wanted to get as many units as possible. I was definitely a little bit more flashy back then in terms of like number. Because I was 22, I was single at the time. And I just imagine and visualize me walking to a party like, yeah, you know, I got, (laughs) I got this many units, I got that many units. But no, I honestly just learned a ton about negotiating and just adding value to even sellers. 
So I did have a quantifiable goal. I wanted 250 units by the end of 2017. And I ended up getting 75. And the ways you were getting the meetings with the sellers were what? We fired on all cylinders. We did mailing campaigns. And thankfully, I have a brother who's very technologically gifted. Mm -hmm. So I would say he's more stereotypically Asian than I am. Because obviously, you heard I'm pretty bad at math earlier. So, uh, (laughs) But anyways, we fired on all cylinders. We did mailing campaigns. We went to networking events. And what I used to do actually was every week for about three hours a day. And I was doing this three times a week. I would literally go out and drive. And just anytime I saw a for rent sign, I would just call it and ask them if they wanted to sell. Mm-hmm. So three hours, every time I went out, it was about three, four hours. And what I would do the night before is I would like plan my route like a mailman. So I literally go to Google Earth or I would literally just Google apartment buildings in Lockport, Illinois. And I would just mm-hmm. get a list. And I learned that like if I find one apartment, chances are there's other apartments around it. So anything from five units to a 78 unit complex, a 96 unit complex, and I would just drive around and calling the signs. And if I didn't call then, I would still write down the address. And then I would go to the tax assessor's office on the online website and I would figure out who the owners were. And then I would literally just Google their name and find their phone number and I would just call them. Mm -hmm. I got cussed out a couple of times too. Of course. Hey, that's part of it. That's part of the game, right? (laughs) And for the ones that you got cussed out at, I think we know how that conversation went. But for the ones that didn't cuss you out, how'd the conversation go? It was interesting. And obviously at first we all sucked. I literally can still remember my hand was shaking. Like I was like, oh my gosh, this is super scary. And because I was nervous even before this podcast, because I know myself and a lot of my friends like idolize you, by the way. So I was like shaking on the phone, like, hi, like my name is, you know what I mean? (laughs) So they were like, sure, what's your offer? And I'm like, oh, I haven't quite thought of that. <laughs> um, so I would get in the habit and I had a couple of mentors who were helping me at the time. And I was just asking like, listen, what do I say? And they're like, well, this is simple. This is what you do. Like, you obviously want to get them off the phone. You want to get information. So just ask them for a profit and loss statement. And what I got in the habit of doing was asking people for their schedule ease or form 8825s. Mm-hmm. I found out with profit and loss statements, especially the first six months of me actually looking at deals, I found out there wasn't a whole lot of integrity with a lot of profit and loss statements. Imagine that. I know, right? Exactly. Humans. Yeah. And so I had an accountant at the time who said, listen, why don't you ask for their schedule E? That's for the Schedule E because that's what the IRS tax form for showing expenses on a real estate property. So I got in the habit of asking for their Schedule E and Form 8825s based on how they hold their property. And I just became a detective. I got really good at looking at that Schedule E and just figuring out, okay, what's the story? So first, I got the Schedule E. Second, I looked at it. What's the story? Third, I used that information to see what value I could provide for them. So the next time I met with them where I was on the phone, I knew what questions to ask because I already had that piece of information and I was able to draw out what's the story here. And then fifth, I actually added that solution and I added value and I was able to formulate offers based on what they were telling me, not what I thought I wanted for the building, but based on what they wanted for the building. What is your best real estate investing advice ever? Best real estate investing advice ever. So I had a bunch of people come up to me because I'm sure you do the same, but I travel the country a lot and I train. And I had a bunch of 18-year-old, 19-year-old kids. There were girls that came up to me and I think I was in Minnesota at the time. They came up to me and was like, Daniel, how do I raise money? Like, how do I do deals? How do I? And I literally kind of just told them, listen, the best advice I can give you 
is the fact right there. What you just asked me, the advice is in the question you asked me, which that's the case 99% of the time. And I said, you're asking, how do I, how do I do this? How do I do that? How do I raise this? Mm-hmm. That's honestly the best advice I could give you is just replace that word I with adding value. And I can formulate that probably with the story my pastor told me. And I don't mean to make this religious or biblical, but this is kind of who I am and I'm just being raw right now. And he said like, hey, listen, there's a beautiful scene in scripture where Jesus has this moment where he has this realization that God puts everything under his authority. So it's just almost like you're the most powerful being on this earth. And it just goes to show you in that passage where the very next thing he does is he actually does the thing that was reserved for the lowest ranking servant. And he actually starts to wash his disciples' feet. So I heard that story very young in my life, my dad being a pastor. And that was just one of those things that stuck with me. I mean, I'm sure, Joe, like in your entrepreneurial journey, like you had things where your mentors told you and it just stuck with you. Like, am I right? Yeah, absolutely. That was something that stuck to me ever since I was eight or nine years old. And just the fact that the most powerful being, right, like at the time was Jesus, was still is, I guess, Jesus chose to do exactly that. It was just beyond comprehension. So for me, it's just like, that's always my goal. My goal is always, how do I add value? How do I value? Same thing on this podcast. How do I add value to your listeners? And of course, I'm going to ask you to be on my podcast so you can add value to my listeners, right? (laughs) Uh, So that's exactly, that's the best advice I could probably give in real estate investing. We're going to do a lightning round. You ready for the best ever lightning round? Yes, sir. All right, let's do it. First, a quick word from our best ever partners. Stessa is the essential tool for tracking your rental properties, and it's going to save you a tremendous amount of time during tax season. Stessa organizes all of your rental property financials and automatically creates all the reports you need to file your tax return. And Stessa teamed up with the top real estate CPAs to offer you, best ever listeners, the ultimate rental property tax guide to help you maximize your deductions. Get that copy when you sign up for an account. The account's free. So get the copy by going to stessa.com forward slash best taxes. That's S-T-E-S-S-A dot com forward slash best taxes. What if you could earn 10000 per month net cash flow for life? Now you can at the Residential Assisted Living Academy. Gene Guarino teaches you how to take a single family house and turn it into a cash flow machine. Visit ralacademy.com to learn more. Okay, best ever book you've recently read? Best ever book I recently reread was Think and Grow Rich, but I read it for the sixth time. Oh, I'm sorry, Pitch Anything. That book is phenomenal. If you want to learn how to raise capital like a wizard, Pitch Anything by Oren Cloth, such a phenomenal book. My favorite book on raising money. And if you search Oren Claff, Joe Fairless, you'll hear, I actually have interviewed him twice on this show. No way. Best ever deal you've done. Best ever deal I did was probably that eight unit where I bought no money down because I was actually able to help the seller from losing money. And I was actually able to give my investors the largest return. What's a mistake you've made on a transaction? I trusted somebody without a contract. That's probably the worst. I lost a couple mil on that one. Couple million? Yeah, in terms of capital that I actually raised and had verbally committed, man, it was just gone. But you didn't actually, no one lost. No, no one lost it. But man, the guy just didn't want anything to do with me anymore. And it it hurt me because I'm a big relationship guy. And man, that for me still hurts. So yeah, trusted somebody without a contract. What's the best ever way you like to give back? Best ever way I like to give back is what I'm doing right now, honestly. Podcasts, trainings, videos on YouTube. And how can the best ever listeners learn more about what you got going on? 
look up on YouTube, the Quack Brothers. My brother definitely posts more stuff on there. But Quack Brothers, we just hit 34,000 subscribers. So I'm super pumped. And I know that's not a whole lot to a lot of people listening, but I'm really excited because that means that's 34,000 people that were able to serve and metaphorically wash their feet. Well, Daniel, thank you so much for being on the show and talking about how you and your brother have gotten to where you're at with the 75 units and the focus on seller financing or owner financing, the first deal where you raised the 17K from a friend of your dad, and then how you've built from there and how you found the deals. I found that most interesting with just hustle and determination, quite frankly, having those meetings and then also being savvy based on what you've learned through your studies and how you approach business and life. So thanks again for being on the show. Hope you have a best ever day and we'll talk to you soon. It's been a pleasure and honor, sir. What if you could earn 10,000 per month net cash flow for life? Now you can at the Residential Assisted Living Academy. Gene Corino teaches you how to take a single family house and turn it into a cash flow machine. Visit ralacademy.com to learn more.